Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Sunday, June 11th. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph and Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse? Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, Doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we begin a new Torah portion, Shalak Lekha, and it means, Send for Yourself. Numbers 13, 1-15 the Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the twelve ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out twelve men, all tribal leaders of Israel, from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were the tribes and the names of their leaders. Reuben, leader, Shamua, son of Zakur. Simeon, Leader, Shaphat, son of Hori. Judah, leader, Caleb, son of Jephunneh. Issachar, leader, Egal, son of Joseph. Ephraim, leader, Hoshea, son of Nun. Benjamin, leader, Palti, son of Raphu. Zebulun, leader, Gadiel, son of Sodi. Manasseh, son of Joseph. Leader, Gadai, son of Susi. Dan, leader, Amiel, son of Gamali. Asher, leader, Sethur, son of Michael. Naphtali, leader, Nabi, son of Vasfi. Gad, leader, Gul, son of Maki. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hosea, son of Nun, by the name Joshua. 1 Kings 8, 1-66 Solomon then summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, 
the leaders of the ancestral families of the Israelites. They were to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the temple from its location in the city of David, also known as Zion. So all the men of Israel assembled before King Solomon at the annual festival of shelters, or Feast of Tabernacles, which is held in early autumn in the month of Ethanim. When all the elders of Israel arrived, the priests picked up the Ark. The priests and Levites brought up the Ark of the Lord along with the special tent and all the sacred items that had been in it. There, before the Ark, King Solomon and the entire community of Israel sacrificed so many sheep, goats, and cattle that no one could keep count. Then the priests carried the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and placed it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the ark, forming a canopy over the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place, which is in front of the most holy place, but not from the outside. They are still there, to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Mount Sinai, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they left the land of Egypt. When the priests came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon prayed, O Lord, you have said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. Now I have built a glorious temple for you, a place where you can live forever. Then the king turned around to the entire community of Israel standing before him and gave this blessing. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept the promise he made to my father David. For he told my father, From the day I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have never chosen a city among any of the tribes of Israel as the place where a temple should be built to honor my name. But I have chosen David to be king over my people. Then Solomon said, My father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord the God of Israel. But the Lord told him, You wanted to build the temple to honor my name. Your intention is good, but you are not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build the temple to honor me. And now the Lord has fulfilled the promise he made, for I have become king in my father's place, and now I sit on the throne of Israel just as the Lord promised. I have built this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, and I have prepared a place there for the ark, which contains the covenant that the Lord made with our ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. He lifted his hands toward heaven and he prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven above or on the earth below. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. 
You made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You have fulfilled it today. And now, O Yahweh, God of Israel, carry out the additional promise you made to your servant David, my father. For you said to him, If your descendants guard their behavior and faithfully follow me as you have done, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Now, O God of Israel, fulfill this promise to your servant David, my father. But will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple I have built. Nevertheless, listen to my prayer and my plea, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you today. May you watch over this temple night and day, this place where you have said, My name will be there. May you always hear the prayers I make toward this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people Israel when we pray toward this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live, and when you hear, forgive. If someone wrongs another person and is required to take an oath of innocence in front of your altar in this temple, then hear from heaven and judge between your servants, the accuser and the accused. Punish the guilty as they deserve. Acquit the innocent because of their innocence. If your people Israel are defeated by their enemies because they have sinned against you, and if they turn to you and acknowledge your name and pray to you here in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and return them to this land you gave their ancestors. If the skies are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and if they pray toward this temple and acknowledge your name and turn from their sins because you have punished them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them to follow the right path and send rain on your land that you have given to your people as their special possession. If there is a famine in the land, or a plague, or crop disease, or attacks of locusts or caterpillars, or if your people's enemies are in the land besieging their towns, whatever disaster or disease there is, and if your people Israel pray about their troubles, raising their hands toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and forgive. Give your people what their actions deserve, for you alone know each human heart. Then they will fear you as long as they live in the land you gave to our ancestors. In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear of you. They will come from distant lands because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you. In this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you, just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. If your people go out where you send them to fight their enemies, and if they pray to the Lord by turning toward this city you have chosen and toward this temple I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayers from heaven and uphold their cause. 
If they sin against you, and who has never sinned, you might become angry with them and let their enemies conquer them and take them captive to their land far away or near. But in that land of exile, they might turn to you in repentance and pray, We have sinned and done evil and acted wickedly. If they turn to you with their whole heart and soul in the land of their enemies and pray toward the land you gave to their ancestors, toward this city you have chosen, and toward this temple I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayers and their petition from heaven where you live and uphold their cause. Forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the offenses they have committed against you. Make their captors merciful to them, for they are your people, your special possession, whom you brought out of the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt. May your eyes be open to my requests and to the requests of your people Israel. May you hear and answer them whenever they cry out to you. For when you brought our ancestors out of Egypt, O Sovereign Lord, You told your servant Moses that you had set Israel apart from all the nations of the earth to be your own special possession. When Solomon finished making these prayers and petitions to the Lord, he stood up in front of the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands raised toward heaven. He stood and in a loud voice blessed the entire congregation of Israel. Praise the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us or abandon us. May he give us the desire to do his will in everything and to obey all the commands, decrees, and regulations that he gave our ancestors. And may these words that I have prayed in the presence of the Lord be before him constantly, day and night, so that our Lord, our God, may give justice to me and to his people, Israel, according to each day's needs. Then people all over the earth will know that the Lord alone is God and there is no other. And may you be completely faithful to the Lord our God, May you always obey his decrees and commands, just as you are doing today. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices to the Lord. Solomon offered to the Lord a peace offering of 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. And so the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the temple of the Lord. That same day, the king consecrated the central area of the courtyard in front of the Lord's temple. He offered burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of peace offerings there because the bronze altar in the Lord's presence was too small to hold all the burnt offerings, grain offerings, and the fat of peace offerings. Then Solomon and all Israel celebrated the festival of Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, in the presence of the Lord our God. A large congregation had gathered them as far away as Lebo Hamath in the north and the brook of Egypt in the south. The celebration went on for fourteen days in all, 
seven days for the dedication of the altar, and seven days for the festival of Sukkot. After the festival was over, Solomon sent the people home. They blessed the king and went to their homes joyful and glad, because the Lord had been good to his servant David and to his people. Acts 7, 51-813 You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the Righteous One, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Yeshua standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting, They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Yeshua, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Yeshua wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the Great One, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Yeshua. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip performed. Psalm 129, 1-8 
From my earliest youth my enemies have persecuted me. Let all Israel repeat this. From my earliest youth my enemies have persecuted me, but they have never defeated me. My back is covered with cuts, as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But the Lord is good. He has cut me free from the ropes of the ungodly. May all who hate Jerusalem be turned back in shameful defeat. May they be as useless as grass on a rooftop, turning yellow when only half grown, ignored by the harvester, despised by the binder. And may those who pass by refuse to give them this blessing. The Lord bless you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Proverbs 17.1 Better a dry crust eaten in peace than a house filled with feasting and strife. I want to speak to you today from our reading from 1 Kings chapter 8. And in this chapter, we see the glory cloud of the very living God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeshua, the King of Israel, the King of the nations, the God of the universe, brings down the glory, the very glory, the Shekinah glory from heaven down into the actual temple. It's amazing. Let's read those verses. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. When the priest came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. So what happened to those priests? I believe they were laying flat on their faces, on the ground, before the very presence of the Lord. The holiness, the magnificence, the beauty, the incredible presence of God himself manifesting as a cloud of glory, inhabiting the temple. How I would have loved to have been there. Don't you? There is another place in the scripture that talks about how this cloud of glory departs Solomon's temple. And in the second temple that was built, the cloud never came back. The temple that the Romans rebuilt in Jerusalem, restored, the cloud never came back. The departure of this glory cloud is described for us in Ezekiel chapter 10, the whole chapter, but I'll zoom in on just a few verses. Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18. I'll start with verse 17. When the cherubim stopped, the wheels stopped. When they flew upward, the wheels rose up, for the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels. Verse 18. Then the glory of the Lord moved out from the door of the temple and hovered above the cherubim. And as I watched, the cherubim flew with their wheels to the east gate of the Lord's temple, and the glory of the God of Israel hovered 
above them. So now the glory cloud is leaving the temple and now going to the east gate of the temple. Verse 20, These were the same living beings I had seen beneath the God of Israel when I was by the Kabar River. I knew they were cherubim, for each had four faces and four wings, and what looked like human hands under their wings. So the glory cloud departed along with these cherubim, and it has never come back. It was never in the second temple that Herod rebuilt. The glory cloud was not there. So now we have access to this heavenly temple through a new and living way, through the torn curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And that torn curtain is Yeshua, the body of Yeshua, which was pierced and crushed, and he bled and died so that we would have access to the most holy place. But few ever go there. Most people in their walk stay in the outer courtyard. They stay away. They don't get close. They don't get intimate with the Lord. Some intercessors, through their prayers and intercession and prayer, they may go into the holy place where the menorah is and the table of showbread in the spirit. They will go there and they will offer up the prayers of the saints, which is like incense, and it goes up to the heavenly temple. And that sweet aroma of prayers, that sweet incense goes before the Lord. But very few press on and enter through that torn curtain, the body of Yeshua, into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, the most holy place, the sacred place of the very presence and the essence. It's like coming into the throne room of heaven, drawing very near to the Father and to the Son who sits at his right hand. Very few people go there. Why is that? I believe it's because we get so busy with all the tasks and the noise and the din and the confusion of the world, we get busy and we get distracted and we don't take that time in prayer to spend with him and to draw near to him and how we need his presence, how we need his loving kindness, how we need his grace, his mercy, his tenderness. I'm going to share a short little devotional that I received that I think fits right along with what we're talking about here. It comes from the Evangelical Sisters of Mary from Canaan in the Desert. It was originally written by Mother Basilea many, many years ago, but it is a very precious devotional, and I just want to share it with you. Voices. Myriads of voices, this is characteristic of modern life. We are surrounded by a medley of voices enslaving us to the things of this world and shutting out God's voice. Why is this so significant? Obeying starts with hearing, listening. So what do we hear today? The noise of planes and the skies, the noise of cars and motorcycles in the streets, the noise of voices on the airwaves in our homes and on the commute to work. Wherever we are, wherever we go, 
the omnipresent digital noise of radio, TV, social media, WhatsApp, smartphones, gaming machines. Noise bombardment is a deliberate ploy of the prince of this world. God's voice is to be drowned out by all the other voices so that people cannot hear what he is saying. In this age of noise, the evil one has launched a campaign to shout over God's voice. If we cannot hear God's voice, we cannot do what he says. Now is the time to start a counter-movement. Passionately seek the stillness of God's presence. Make it your top priority to hear his voice. Grow in intimacy. Nurture your relationship with him. As our maker, God doesn't want to speak with us merely to make his will known to us. He wants to be a father to us. And Yeshua wants to be our friend and brother, the lover of our souls. At the heart of every relationship is communication. It is God's nature as our Heavenly Father and as our Heavenly Bridegroom to engage with us and share his heart with us. We are his children and dear to him. Love seeks intimacy and oneness with the Beloved. Fellowship is the desire of God's loving heart. This is why he longs for us to come apart as he leads. In his presence, all other voices fall silent. It's just him and us. A two-way conversation. When two people love each other, they like to get away for quiet moments, away from others. There in the stillness, they share their hearts with each other. Bonds of love and understanding are forged at such times. With God, it is no different. Only when we are quiet and alone with Him can the Holy God reveal Himself and give us a glimpse of His heart. He is waiting for us to show Him our love. How do I show someone that I love them? By spending time with them. By engaging with them. A single hour in their presence is sheer joy. We hang on their every word, eager to draw close to them. We want to get to know them and to drink in their love and absorb something of their nature. Do we enjoy this kind of intimacy with Yeshua? Isn't the truth that our love has dwindled and we've drifted from him? How seldom do we spend time in his presence as a token of our love? We call him Lord and Savior, yet have little time for him. At the most squeezing in perhaps half an hour in the morning, even then we are distracted because we are already thinking about our work. This is the reason why we are not growing spiritually. This is why we are seeing so little victory over sin and so little authority in ministry, so few answers to prayer. Love is the source of all life, and this goes especially for spiritual life. Love leads us into the stillness of God's presence. There in the quiet, he shows us his heart and shines his light into the innermost recesses of our being, revealing secret sins we may not even be conscious of. As we look to him in faith, he graciously binds us to himself and fills us to overflowing with his life and love. 
At such times, something happens to our souls which wouldn't happen otherwise. Listening to one Bible study after the other, reading one Christian book after the other, will achieve nothing if we fail to apply what we have heard and read. Fruit grows only as we come apart and speak with God about what we have heard. We will feel a prompting to recommit, to take certain steps. Only a face-to-face encounter with the living God will renew our souls. Truly, God is waiting for us. He longs for us to draw near and express our love with a deeper commitment. He desires to share with us His innermost desires and to show us what is breaking His heart. How a Heavenly Father longs to find in us children with a heart for Him and the concerns of His heart. How our Savior longs to find in us friends and lovers on fire for His kingdom. But how can He share His innermost thoughts and His grief over a lost world if He can't find hearts and ears listening for His voice raised in lamentation? How can He reveal the depths of His heart unless we seek the solitude where every other voice falls silent. The Lord values such times. They achieve far more than all our busyness for Him. As we wait on God in our quiet times and listen for His impulses and instructions, we receive authority from which flow spiritual life and a stream of events generated by God. Much of our Christian service may be just religious activity, prompted not by God, but by the desire to start something new for Him. Personal wishes or human considerations are actually driving us. What we do may appear to be very successful. Sadly, it produces no fruit. Fruit grows only from sinking our roots deep into the Lord and abiding in Him. The presence of God has the power to transform more than anything else. We need His presence in our lives, and this comes about only as we meet with Him in the stillness, in the secret place, face to face. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Exodus thirty-three eleven. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Psalm 27 8. I come to live within you, God's Son, the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach says to every Christian soul. Prepare for me a lodging with ardent love and longing, that I may with your soul unite. Make ready your heart's chamber, put far all earthly glamour, silence all worldly longings now. Upon you take my quietness, eternity's own stillness, and my approaching footsteps here. Give up your will entirely, surrender all completely to me and to my will be given. Then can I make my dwelling within your heart now reigning, one then with you in love and pain. What then could be more glorious or sweeter than your presence within my heart, O Yeshua? Now all within is silence, that you may deign to enter my soul and make it ever yours. Yeshua loves you like a friend. 
He holds out his hand to you. Give him yours. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.